So we're continuing our series called Live Free today, and today we're going to be talking about living free. Last week, Esther spoke about breaking free, and um, I don't know if you've seen in movies um, with, about prison, uh, the inmates who kind of accept their lot, their captivity, and just try and maybe make the best of life inside are usually the ones that gain the most favor with the enemy, you know, the prison guard. I'm talking about, you know, prisoners of war maybe, not, not, not because you committed a crime. If you committed a crime, you know, that's on you. Stay there. Um, but I'm talking about wrongful, you know, or, or, or political prisoners, the, the ones who accept their lots and kind of just go, all right, you know, I'm going to just see this out and maybe, you know, just accept this. They're not the ones that get in trouble, Right? It's the ones that go like, I, I ain't taking this. I am trying to escape or I am trying to fight for my freedom. They're the ones that get the most flack, right? So it's often like that in the spiritual world as well. When you're trying to break free from things, when you're trying to achieve things that the Bible promises should be our inheritance to have, when you're trying to receive or to get there, that you bump up against the purposes of the enemy for your life. And, and, and a real battle ensues for your freedom and for your prospering. Okay, I'm talking about internal prospering, well-being. And so I want to encourage you today that it is worth the fight. Don't settle for the, you know, the, the, the bondage that the enemy has placed on you. Don't settle for the things that, you have, you know, that might have gone wrong um, and might have told you the lie that you know, this is all there is. And you just got to shut up and you know, be satisfied with this. There is so much more to God, to his kingdom, to this life, and for this life that he wants us to live in, that he wants to be our reality. Christ Chuck, Chuck spoke about heaven coming down. And that does not just speak about one day when Jesus returns. That talks about every single time when something on earth shifts in alignment with the governance of heaven, heaven comes down. Every single time something in your life switches into order, God's order, heaven comes down. And so when we're praying, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. We're not just praying for Jesus to return. We're literally praying for God's order to be established in our lives, right? And so all, many of us have things that are out of order. Some of, some of it's health issues. Some of it's financial issues. Some of it's soul issues. Some of it's just relational things. That we can find so many things in our lives that have not yet mirrored God's will, mirrored the kingdom of heaven and how things are there. And God said that I've given you guys the authority as ambassadors of my kingdom, my heavenly kingdom, here in your host nation, your mission post, your outpost on earth, to advocate for the will of heaven here. Right? Now, sometimes things happen that are like permanent things for our time frame, and we can't change them. But we can still advocate for the best of what heaven has for us within the circumstances to see God's will continue to um, you know, be performed for our lives. So that is a fight, unfortunately. Because you know what? There is a different kingdom in operation on earth. There are two kingdoms. It's God's kingdom and it's the devil's kingdom. And they're both very active. And they're vying for our attention, for our time, for our money. But they're also vying for our well-being or our destruction. If you look at the other guy. And so um, 
We don't want to accept bondage in any way or oppression in any way. We want to break free totally so that we can live like what Jesus came for in John 10.10. 10. He says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. But the thief came to steal, to kill, and to destroy, talking about the devil. And so in any part of your life where there's something missing, that's the effect that the devil has and his kingdom has on our lives. And God wants to set you up to a place where you are strong in your faith and in your character that you can start contending to take back the ground that the enemy has taken, maybe in your life, and your family's life. And when you start achieving well-being on the inside, then you start exporting that well-being to helping others around you. So as a, as a church, we try to help people to know God, live free, and make disciples. It's a, little, it's a little slogan we use to help explain where we're going and what we want you to break through in, the things that we want you to learn. We want you to know God personally and passionately. We want you to live free. And living free means that first you have to break free from things that are keeping you in bondage. Then you have to learn to live free when new things come your way that may bring hurts. Then you need to learn how to stay free. And that's going to be next week's message. How do we stay free? Once we have attained something, how do we keep this freedom going? So often um, we found that people approach freedom as an event, as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a moment, and then they kind of tap off and think that the vehicle is going to continue to move with the same momentum. It won't. But that's next week. We'll talk about that. We do not want to accept any kind of bondage, though. And so today as we look, move into this series further called Live Free and Living Free, we're going we're to continue the process of breaking free from things as we have started last week. And we're going to look into some of the things that help us to live free in the moment as well. God is real serious about our freedom. Okay? God is really serious about this. There are so many scriptures in the Bible that talks about us being able to live from freedom, live in this place of peace. And the Bible calls it, uh, the Hebrew language calls it shalom, the shalom of God. And really what shalom means, and you know the Jews, they would greet, you, greet each other with that, shalom, shalom, shalom. And what they're really doing is they're speaking a blessing over each other that there will be nothing missing, nothing broken, completeness in everything every part of life. That's what shalom means. And that's what the word peace in the Bible uh, is translated from. So when we say we receive the peace of God in our hearts and minds, like Philippians 4 talks about, it really says that we're receiving a promise of having nothing missing, nothing broken, and completeness in every area of our, of our lives. How many of you would love some shalom in your life, right? I mean, that's something I can totally say, I need that. I need that. But it's a battle. It's a battle. It's not something that's just given to, well, let me just rather say Jesus came so that we might have that without having to perform religious duties, but the devil don't just give it up. And we have to stand in faith for it for in, our, in our lives to, to, to reverse the effects that the kingdom of darkness have had on our lives. Psalm 118 verse 5 says this, he says, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. He answered me and he set me free. This scripture verse has meant so much to me in past seasons where I've just gone through a lot. And I've been just knowing that when I call on the Lord, he answers. 
and his answer sets me free. That is a promise from God for each and every one of us and an invitation for every one of us here today to call on the Lord for whatever there is still missing in our lives to be set free from or to be restored in. Romans 6 verse 14 says this, For sin will have no dominion over you because you are not under the law, you are under grace. That means that sin's um, dominion over you, in other words, if sin has dominion over you, you do not have the ability to say no to it. Either through being legally bound or through being too weak to withstand it. Because there's a difference. You can be legally set free, but if you do not have the strength to stand up against, it is almost like you are still bound. But the Bible promises us that we, will be, we, will, we can grow to a place where sin can no longer, will no longer have dominion over us. Because we're not under the law, we're under grace. Which means that legally, sin has no right to dominate us. There is no, we have the ability, legally being set free to be able to say no to sin. Now we just need to grow into that identity, into that place of strength to be able to say no to sin. But see what happens when the effect of the kingdom of darkness have weighed down on us for a season. And it has depleted our energy, has depleted our, our will. It's, it it, it kind of like eroded our, our, our resistance. Then sometimes we feel like, man, sin is just, this is, the temptation is just too bad. I can't withstand it. But God says that he is going to bring you to a place. If you call to him in your moment of distress, he will answer you and set you free. Meaning you'll be able to say no. You'll be able to say no. It will not be able to dominate you anymore. So in order for us to break free, we really need to identify fully with the cross. That means we need to understand our new identity in Christ. And we need to stick to that identity. You see, if you are living in multiple identities, then you are weakening yourself. If you're trying to be a different kind of person at your workplace than you are in the aisle here, in your seat here, or at your life group, what you're really doing is you're diluting yourself. And then when you get to your workplace and you face a challenge, you succumb to it. Why? Because you have not walked in integrity. You have not walked in one identity. We need to fully identify with the cross and fully see ourselves as sons of God. Fully see ourselves as only that. In fact, the highest title in the kingdom of God is just to be called a son of God. Like there are no higher titles than son of God. Not the Pope, not the Bishop, nobody has a higher title in the kingdom of God than son And if we will start identifying with I am a son of God and take that identity, own that identity, and be that identity, no matter where I am, I will be so strong wherever I am because I will walk securely in that. I will walk free from anything that might come and overpower me. That's why Philippians 3.16 says this, only let us live up to what we have already attained. It's, it's, it's one of those things in Christianity that's difficult to explain, but I'm going to try. You are already holy. 
you are already strong. You are already able to overcome sin and temptation because of who Jesus Christ made you to be. Hey, Devin. And so we need to understand that we have already become that in Christ. It's not something that I still have to make happen, but it's something that I do have to walk into. It's not something that I have to pay a price for to be able to get. I've been given it, but now I need to live up to it. So it's difficult to explain it, but it's just something you're going to have to accept. And because once you accept it, it tells you who you truly are and are, not will be, but are capable of if you fully embrace it and just start walking in it. But that walking into it is a bit of a discovery. It's a bit of a, oh, I'm no lo- this is no longer how I do things because I'm a son. And as a son, I stand in the security and the identity of my father, my house. I'm proud of my house. I'm proud of our business. I stand for our values. I, I am that. I'm no longer this. And so it, it, it takes a while to, to fully realize that and walk into it. But it's not something that must still happen. It has been attained on our behalf. And now we're able to walk into it. So in order for us to come to that full understanding of who we have become, we need, we need to identify lies. And we need to identify things that tell us different. So when you're still struggling, for instance, with a sin or a pattern of behavior that, are, that is ungodly, then um, it's something that you have to... Um, you have to identify and say, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. this is no longer who I am. This does not, I, I don't identify with this anymore. Even though I'm, I am still weak and I still succumb to this, the only way I become strong and start dominating over it is when I start believing what I've already been attained for me. I start walking in my true identity. I see myself as overcomer of that. And that internal reality then grows me to that place where I'm actually in practice able to dominate over that temptation or that weakness that I have. So part of that is what we spoke about last week. Is that we come to um, understand that that there are needs that every human being need fulfilled in order to be a well-rounded, healthy, and strong individual. Esther talked about it, what she called core needs of, of, of human beings. It's things like our physical needs, our security needs, our relational needs, and acknowledgement, recognition, self-actualization, the, 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 the desire to want to become and achieve something. And then transcendence, the desire to have legacy, to be remembered, to have make a name for ourselves. These are internal desires that every single human being has to a degree. And to the degree that you have had these needs met in your life, you will be a well-rounded, strong, and healthy individual. In any area where any one of these needs were not met, it means that there's going to be a lack in your life. And in that lack, 
that is a, a core need. Remember, this is something that we desire. We all naturally yearn to have this, have the acknowledgement of our people, have love, have acceptance, people celebrating us, give an opportunity to excel in our gifts and our passions, being recognized for what we did. These are core needs that people have. And when we don't get that, it leaves a hole in our soul that sometimes leads to us getting hurt and getting feeling rejected. And when that happens, we try to adjust. We try to fill that hole ourselves. And usually we fill that hole through acting on a suggestion that comes from the devil or from our flesh and then that leads to an unhealthy behavior. That leads to me getting stuck in something that makes me feel okay. That makes me feel better about me because I did not receive what I needed to receive in that area of my life. You see, when you have that hole in your soul, it's so easy for the enemy to come and suggest things to you about you, about your life, about your future, that if you buy into it, it'll bind you to a behavior, it'll bind you to a weakness or an addiction that you just cannot break free of until you have broken your allegiance to that lie that you believed and you believe the truth and get that hole filled by God and by His suggestions. And so you fall into this hurt cycle. You have this unfulfilled need. You have a, because of that, a wound develops in your heart. And then Satan plants the seed of a lie into your heart. And that forms an unhealthy behavior through which you try to fulfill your need. But because it's, a, because it's not from God, because it's either from the flesh or, flesh or from Satan, it results in the need just staying unfulfilled. And then that leads to further disappointment. And this cycle just deepens you into that bondage, being stuck in an unhealthy behavior that often leads to more hurt, relational destruction, leads to you getting fired, leads to you um, making unwise decisions and, and facing consequences of things that you just never would have if you did not go down that negative spiral. So when we're young, our parents are the one that must be fulfilling those needs for us. Okay, they must speak God's purposes over us. He's they must model God's acceptance for us and, 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 his, and His celebration of us and call out our unique gifts and, 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 and give us opportunities to excel in the things that we're interested in. But because of how broken society is, sometimes parents want to live out their own dreams through their kids. I never had the opportunity to participate in something like, you know, band or whatever and so now you are going to be in band because I like playing the trumpet you might not like it but that's fine you know you're gonna like it because you're gonna and then you can name up all the good benefits you can go to college with this it'll teach you good music skills it's good for your brain development and blah 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 but none of that's actually real 
The actual thing is, I just never got to be in band. And so we, we continue this cycle of brokenness to our children. I don't know about you, but so many of us do have rejection hurts. You know, we come into life not sinless because the Bible says we are born in sin, but we do come in with a sense of innocence and, and purity. And, and, and these things can be so quickly lost. Um, you know, I've seen it so many times how, how parents are, are sometimes just unnecessarily harsh to their kids. You know, they would try to do something, you know, just innocently and sincerely and, and just get like snarky rebukes from their parents for like, why'd you go do that? Are you stupid? When they do something wrong or when they do something that the parent decides that's embarrassing to me. They take it out on the child. And in that moment, that child receives a hurt of rejection. A need to be seen, to be loved beyond their mistakes. is dealt to that little soul. And in that moment, that little child goes, well, no, I'm not stupid, but I'm just four. Do they say that? No, they don't have the capacity to explain themselves, so they just, they just stand there and they just take the hits. After hearing it repeatedly, I must be stupid. I'm just, I'm just dumb. I'm just, I'm just clumsy. You know, I just make mistakes all the time. You know, I just, I just can't do nothing right. Oh, that's just my luck. Things are going to go wrong again. Nobody just automatically thinks that about themselves. They start thinking that because they were hurt. They start thinking that because they were disappointed. And those disappointments so often start in the home. And this is not a rebuke to parents. This is more a, hey, don't think that this didn't happen in your house. And now that you have time with them still, maybe investigate. See if there are some things that you can help bring healing to their souls in the same time as you're investigating what happened to me in my house. Did I receive those rejections from my parents? And what did that cause me to do? Sometimes kids act more aggressively to rejection. And that's how bullying results. I don't care if anybody likes me. I won't, tell, I won't let you tell me what to do. So they go out and actively do wrong things because what the heck? Nothing I do matters anyways. It's good anyways, right? There's just so many reactions that can happen. I'm just literally calling out like a sliver of reality here just to show how these things are true and real. And I, won't, I, will, I will risk to say that most of us in this room have actually experienced things like this for ourselves. The problem is rejection is one of the deepest wounds a soul can experience. One of the deepest, deepest wounds. Wounds, the soul can experience. And the enemy just loves rejection. He just loves it. It makes such fertile ground for his lies to grow in. 
And here's something we need to realize is as much as we want to just, you know, sometimes not talk about the devil. And I look, I don't talk about the devil. I don't glorify him. Bible says one day we're going to be amazed that this guy was the one that, you know, deceived everybody because he's really not that impressive. He just has a real conniving, uh, you know, manipulative way about him that, that tricks people. But the bottom line is he is really good at tricking people. He's really good at playing half-truths. Really good. That's how he, got at, how he got Adam and Eve in the beginning as well. And because he's that good with this, we cannot drop our guard. Every time you get hurt by something or somebody, you got to pull up your shield of faith and be careful because the spiritual world is right around us. And it is attentive to what's happening on earth. And it wants to enter into your mind with lies around every corner. For no reason, for, it's for good reason that the Bible says that he, he, he's walking around, the devil is walking around prowling. Prowling. He's looking for opportunity to come in and sell you a lie that'll bound you for life. These lies will bind us to unhealthy behavior or it'll make us to go back to unhealthy behavior. Especially when you try to make strides forward in your faith. When you try to grow in God, when you try to put good, um, good you know, things down, trying to do good things. Like, how many of you have ever felt resistance to come into a service? Like you, you decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to church and then everything goes wrong. That's not just for just for nothing. Every time you try to go to a new thing, like, okay, I want to join a life group. All of a sudden, all hell breaks loose in your life. My goodness, I don't have time for this. Stop going. Devil gets his way. It happens so many times. And we need to be careful to not allow those lies fertile ground. Ephesians 4.26 says, When you're angry, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. It's not just about being angry. It talks about the principle of when something goes wrong, you've got to be careful You've got to step into it and fix it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity for the devil. Why? Because if we let anger brew in our spirit, it tills the ground real nice for some lies of the enemy to start developing. How many of you have had an argument with somebody, right? And then you go home and you think to yourself, how many times and ways and how, how, how many different ways you can get back at them? How Next time this person comes up, this is what I'm going to tell them. And you play that scenario and you get fired up, man. And you can like, and, 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 and everything, man. You're just like, man, let me call. I need a call. I need to text them right now. Worst decision in your whole life right there. But what's happening is you're allowing fertile ground. You're giving the enemy fertile ground to plant seeds of deception in your heart. That in time is going to develop. You might not see it right now, but trust me, if you don't dig out those seeds, those lies, after a while, they're going to sprout and they're going to produce fruit and the fruit's not going to be pretty. This is not going to be pretty. I'm serious about this though. We cannot give the enemy 
an opportunity. But I want to say this, that rejection can happen in the nicest of homes. And, and, and it's, it's more like when you think it can't happen in our house, <laughs> that's like leaving the door unlocked. It's almost bound to happen because you're ignorant. Like I've, I've always tried to stay so vigilant about how my kids respond to me. Like if I see any sign in them of self-pity or, or anger or, um, or, or any, any response from them that I don't think is good, um, I'll investigate right there and then. I won't leave it. I won't ignore it. Oh, it's going to be fine. No, it's not. There's something there. You saw it because God wanted you to see it. And God wants you to investigate. He wants you to go, go there with that, with that kid. Something might have happened. They might have had a misunderstanding. You don't know. But until you investigate, the devil is playing with that little soul. Trust me, y'all. They don't have Devil, devil Jr. Kids don't face Devil Jr. They face Devil Proper. The real deal. And he's even now trying to put lies in their hearts and minds about themselves, about their identity, about you, about what you think of them. He's always trying, y'all. I will go into and I will, I, will, I will choose a moment, but then I'll press. The Holy Spirit, show me something that might have gone wrong. And he's so faithful, y'all. He always gives me a little reminder of a picture or something that went right. I, I might have saw it from the corner of my eye. I might have saw them turn around and walk away. And, and it was while I was doing something or, 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 or I responded in a way that wasn't good. I responded harsh or short. Or, and, 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 and I remember that. And then I'll be real specific. I'll go like, hey, can I talk with you for a second? Earlier I said that to you. Did that hurt your heart? I try to be as, as specific as I can be. Now sometimes I'm just wrong and they go, no, where are you coming from? And I just go, I don't know. I just want to make sure that you and I are good. Did anything else happen? Maybe that, that made you feel that I didn't, I didn't care for you, I didn't love you. And then maybe say, like, because it just feels to me like, like there's something between us that you're not telling me, and I don't want there to be anything between us. And then they'll sometimes say, well, you know, when you, when you decided to play with, with that one instead of me, I, I, I felt that you didn't want to play with me. And little things like that, y'all, can just grow so big over time. You have to catch them so you can take that seed out of that little soul and protect their hearts. You've got to fight for them. Fight that they don't receive rejection. Because it's a hurt that messes you up for so long. And then I'll, I'll apologize to them. Even though I didn't mean for it to happen, even though it's not true, I'll just say, I'm so sorry that you felt that way. I never want you to feel that way. I don't try to apologize for my be you know, I don't try to um, even deny the thing. The fact is that person she felt it he felt it and to try and say no 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 you, you just misunderstood me doesn't work explanations don't fix emotions they don't being there connect your heart back i don't want you to feel this way i'm so sorry you felt this way i'm going to be careful next time to to make sure that you don't feel this way as much as i can do Please forgive me when I make mistakes. I want us to be good. Can you and I be good again? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go hug them. It's like, you know, I love you, right? Like, okay, 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 Dad, I know you love me. And I'm like, all right, good. Come talk to me anytime, right? Yeah, Dad. Yo, this is living free. We got to stay vigilant. You got to realize that you cannot let your guard down in these things because they will happen. They will happen. Um, so I wanted to ask you to just, again, like we did last week, reflect on some of the unhealthy behavior by which you may be compensating for the hole that's in your heart. Last week we gave you a list. I want to give you a list that has some different things on it. Sometimes we try to make ourselves feel better in a situation through aggression, just dominating a situation. Or you say, what to me? Oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, you better be sorry. Mess with me. Feel good about myself. I walk away. I showed that guy. Sometimes it's just dismissal. Oh, whatever, man. Just pick a finger. I'm gone. Avoidance of conflict. Rather want to hide than fix things. Ridicule behind someone's back. Oh, that guy's just a douchebag. Makes me feel a little better. If I can just tell him off. Or I'm moping. Just throwing a real big pity party. On such a regular basis. Just feeling bad about myself. But moping makes me feel a little better. Especially if I can get somebody else to hear what I'm going through. Emotional manipulation. Somebody does something and it's like, oh really, is that what Jesus would have done? Makes you feel a little better to make the other person feel bad for not doing exactly what Jesus would have done. Deflection, blaming other people for things you do, but you're trying to hide. cussing get frustrated somebody does you wrong you're like man f you makes me feel a little better something goes wrong in your life oh crap nuggets lying consistent lying Big talk. Just like, oh, we went hunting the other day. We didn't shoot much. Oh, we got, we got, we got everything. Oh, we, we almost limited out. Why not just say the truth? Man, we missed a bunch. We had a ton of fun in the, in the process. Oh, man, it was just miserable. I feel like, we failed today. So what? It's just duck hunting. No, we have to always show ourselves as being the best. We've got to present ourselves as like, you know, we conquered. Why? Everybody knows we all don't conquer every single day. It's just stupid. Vengeance. Getting back at somebody. Oh, I'm going to get back. Don't worry. I don't get mad. Just get even. What about things like shopping? 
working too much. Drinking. Oh, I, was, I need to just take the edge off a little. Smoking, using drugs, pornography. I have a need, I have something missing in my soul, so I just need to do something, put something in there that makes me just feel a little, a little better about me. Or a little more content with where I'm at. Emotional flirting, physical flirting, perfectionism. Whew. It's a difficult one to hear. But it's actually an unhealthy behavior based on a hurt, based on something that got so, a lie that got sold to you that if it's not perfect, you won't be accepted. You're not good enough until this is done right. And right is never good enough because it's always a right error for somehow, for some reason. Perfectionism. Jumping from one relationship to the next. The inability to be single. Addiction to social media or addiction to the news. Oh, I, 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 if I don't know what's going on in the world, I can't be at peace. I need to, I need to, I hope, I need to find how to, hopefully my guy is doing something good that makes me feel like, okay, 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 okay it's gonna, it looks like there's some influence in the right direction. Oh. Guys, these are all unmet needs in our souls that God wants to meet so that we don't have to grasp unhealthy behaviors to make ourselves feel okay. God wants you to feel okay because you're a son. You're a son. It's real quiet in here. These are merely fleshly ways to deal with what's missing in our, on our inside. Like, let me, let, me, let, me, let me give you a short sport testimony. Okay, this, this is not the moment. It's, it's a new one, yeah, this is a new one. Like, I'm a big rugby guy, okay? So back home, rugby is a big thing for Afrikaans people. So um, we, uh, we play rugby from the time that we can basically walk, and then, you know, you, uh, you, you, you pick a team, by the time you get sense to yourself or your dad influences you, um, and, in, and, then, um, and then you live or die on that team, bro. Let me tell you, if that team doesn't do well, you don't do well. And luckily, I picked a good team. We win most of the time, but I pity those poor fools who pick those stupid teams that never win because, because their lives must be miserable, right? Like, and then one season, maybe once in a decade, they win, and bruh, are they the bee's knees in that season? Like, it is just like, oh, the lions and blah, blah. I hope some South Africans are listening to this, especially my friend, Stefan. Uh, yeah, I'm going to call him out. Uh, oh, the lions. That really, bruh, welcome to the conversation every once in a decade. I'm happy to have you on, online here today. We tell you, we grow up jumping on our couches, screaming at the ref, that was an offside! Why? Because if that match don't end up going my way, I am destroyed. The walk of shame the next day when I walk into school and all the freaking Stormers fans are gloating and bloating and whatever they else they can do to make you feel like a chomp, um, you just have to like, you know, it's it's... That's how I used to be when it came to sport. And I see some of y'all are like that too. 
Some of y'all won't come to church when LSU loses. When the saints go down, you have a walk of shame. You feel like you're coming into the church and you're getting judged because your team didn't win. Listen to me. I don't give a hoot about LSU or the saints. Please just come to church. Look, I love them. I like them. They're good. I like purple and yellow. It looks funky. I have no emotional attachment to them. By the way, neither do I have to the Bulls anymore either. If they win, I feel good. If they lose, I feel good. I feel good. Why? Because I'm a son. I am no longer detached to these worldly things to make me feel okay about me. You don't have to feel bad about you when LSU goes down. By the way, they beat some seven-seed team right now, and they're in the top three or something like that. Hope you feel great, but for now, before they lose again, (laughs) detach yourself from that unhealthy behavior of finding identity and well-being in things in the world. My goodness, how unwise is it not to find your joy in something as volatile as a football team played by teenagers? Y'all do realize they're teenagers, right? It's college. It's like the most unstable season of your life when you place your well-being. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. I'm done, I'm going to move on, I'm going to move on. <laughs> I don't know where that came That wasn't planning the message. I'll show you. Nothing about LSU in my notes, okay? <laughs> Yeah, he don't like him either. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm serious. I'm just kidding. He's fine with them. He's impartial. He's a sport, whatever. Um. But see how we can just take these things of the world to give us legitimacy, give us a feeling of, of okay, I'm, 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 I'm it now again. And look, I'm all for being gung-ho on, Excuse me, on your team, on your high school team, on your college football team. I love the JMU guys, and we're championing them on, but I am not connecting my well-being to them and their success. I am well, whether they win a game or lose a game. And so can you be. That's just a humorous kind of example, but the, 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 the big thing is that those Unhealthy behaviors are connected to something somewhere in your life that you're missing. And listen to me, if you've been through a divorce, you have some of that, no doubt. If you've been through a relational breakdown, you have some of that. Don't, if you've been through any form of disappointment in your life, there's going to be some of that in your life. No need to hide it. We all have it. We all go through it. If you have loss in your life, then there's definitely some of this in your life. But there's great, great, great news. Because Psalm 34, 18 says this, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. God is close to you if you are broken. But if you deny your brokenness, you won't realize He's there to help you through it. Don't have to deny our brokenness. See, sometimes our hurts come because of these unmet needs, but there are things that happen now with us that cause new hurts to occur. 
And probably one of the most overlooked hurts in modern society is that of loss. Losing something. Loss. We do not know how to grieve loss. And because we don't properly and appropriately grieve, we stay stuck in hurts that lead to more unhealthy behaviors that sometimes cause us to even never stop grieving. Because grief has a beginning and it has an end. Now there's a difference between grieving the loss of, for instance, a job and the loss of a loved one. There should be a difference in grieving the loss of a pet versus the loss of a child. It's not the same value that you lost. But we can't deny loss. We can't ignore loss. And if there's any reason that you girls can stick around for this message, I really need you to stick around for it. If, it, if it's a bathroom break, go for it. But if, it, if, you're, if, you're, if you're trying to avoid something, please don't. This is going to help you. Okay? If it's a bathroom break, please go for it. But please don't avoid this. This is necessary. Loss is difficult to deal with. It's confronting. It's scary. But remember what I just said. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in their spirit. Let the Lord save you today. We lose different things through life. We lose work. We lose opportunities. We lose relationships. We lose, uh, 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 sometimes the ending of a season is perceived as a loss. Like you, you leave your dad and mom and dad's home. You move on to the next phase of your life. It's beautiful. It's awesome. We celebrate it. Yet, you lose something in that season. You lose a proximity, a closeness. You lose a particular position. You have to lose that. It's a necessary ending. But if you don't treat that moment right, it can cause a hurt in your life that you can get bound with. Sometimes we lose purity and innocence through an injustice like molestation or rape. It's a loss. It's a great loss. Sometimes we lose our identity because what we were attached to, a, a husband or a, or a person, and, 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 and that person went away for whatever reason, and now we're just like, who am I? It's a loss. Loss is difficult, and we don't talk about it because it's difficult, but today we want to go there, and I tell you that it's important that it shouldn't be ignored because it will leave your soul vulnerable to infection by lies and deception that tell you that you cannot go through this, you cannot make it, you cannot recover from this. It is a lie you can because the God of the universe draws close to the brokenhearted and he wants to save those that have a crushed spirit. It's interesting how when we get a, a physical wound, like I cut my finger open, we rush to bind it up. We rush to disinfect it. We rush to, to, 
attend to it in such a way that it don't get infected any further and cause worse damage. But why when it happens to our souls do we just run away from help? And we just let that thing bleed on the inside and get infected on the inside and cause way more damage than the initial blow. We need to have an appropriate response to grief, to loss, so that it can be bound up. It can be made safe. It can put you in a place of healing that doesn't deny the wound, that doesn't tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 don't worry, it's just a little bobo, you're going to be fine. No, 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 that treats the wound with the severity of the wound. If I break my arm and it flips this way, you're not going to go, oh, just hold it tight and you sleep it off. No, you're going to rush me to the hospital. And the doctors there, they're going to go, oh, his arm is like this right now. It doesn't look that bad because it's covered in, oh, I'm sure it's just, a, no, 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 they're going to investigate. They're going to put it on an x-ray. They're going to see, oh goodness, there's a broken bone. We need to get in there. If they can't just set it, they're going to cut it open for even more. To fix it on the inside. Bind it up, then close it up, then bind it up. It's a process, y'all. And sometimes they take a couple of steps back. They hurt you even more before they can help you to heal properly. But it's the same thing with our emotional wounds. Sometimes people come to us and we go like, hey, this is what we're going to have to do to get through this. They go, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, you ain't cutting on me anymore. Like, I can help you if you don't allow me to cut you. Because there's something inside that I can't reach until it's opened up. Y'all, we need to allow God in to these wounds of ours to the loss that we experienced. You will not be able to change away from the unhealthy behavior until that wound is healed. But this is what Matthew 5 verse 4 says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Experts talk about five stages of grief that we could go through as a part of our healing process. Not everybody goes through all five. More, very often, people do go through all five. But sometimes people also get stuck in one. Look at this graphic over here. It talks about after a traumatic event of loss of any kind, there's a denial. Possible. Possible that after a season of denial and you realize your reality, come to terms with your reality of what happened, anger ensues. Sometimes you stay in that anger phase for so long, you get angry at everybody. You start even get angry at people that did nothing wrong to you. You start blaming them for useless things. Not because they're really wrong, but because you're so angry, you don't know what to do with that. You're in grief, my friend. You're trying to deal with something that's hurting on the inside. Sometimes we, we go into a, a, a season of bargaining. We, we start thinking, but shouldn't it have, have been different? We start arguing with, with God. What if, what if I did this? Would it have been different? Are you, are you trying to punish me? You're trying to find meaning in all of it. 
We try to find, oh, that it must be good that this happened because. Let me tell you, it's in those times that the devil gets so many people to take God up wrong. Trying to make sense of why it happened. And trying to somehow work, if you're a Christian, work God's sovereignty into it. No, God must have had a purpose for this. Or some weird theology that doesn't exist in the Bible. Because the Bible reveals unto us a God that is good. And that helps our broken world out when bad things happen. Not cause the bad things to happen. But in that bargaining phase, we're trying to figure out why. We can stay stuck there and never, never really grieve fully. But it's in these times when we need to draw close to people and hash out. Hash out all the questions and all the things that we need to talk through, need to, need to process through. But if you ignore it and if you isolate, you just set yourself up for infection by lies that have detrimental effect in the rest of your life? How do you continue to trust a God that killed your child? Doesn't make sense. Don't stay stuck in bargaining. It's most critical that you speak to people. This is why our life groups and our relationships in this church are so crucial, because they help you process the broken world and the goodness of God. And they help you move forward in your grieving process. You might find yourself so overwhelmed and such a sense of helplessness that you start feeling depressed because of what you've lost. It's funny, but pregnancy seasons have, have all these beautiful things in it. And sometimes it also have these senses of loss in it. First, when you get separated from that close intimacy with having the child in you. That's never going to be like that with that child again. You need to grieve that moment appropriately so that you don't stay stuck in that depression. When you get your first child, you lose your freedom. Just going where you want, however fast you want. Your children make you slow. Children takes money from you. <laughs> we love giving it. But the fact is, I ain't giving it to my wife no more. I ain't able to, 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 to do, we ain't able to do what the, we used to be doing. With, we now have to start thinking future investment. We budget, it's losses. And it doesn't mean that it must throw your life into a tailspin. You just need to appropriately grieve that moment realizes this is never going to be different again, never going to be the same again, and come to that place of acceptance, but it's okay. It's okay. God wants you to come to that place of acceptance where you're able to accept what happened and move on. I want to say it right. Um, Then I move, I skipped so many things right now. Where you are ready to live with it without being dominated by it anymore. 
you're never going to get over it, forget it. Some smaller losses we do, but big losses we don't. But God wants you to get to that place where you're ready to live with it without being dominated by anymore. So today I want us to do the same thing as we did last week when Esther asked us to, um, to process a little bit what we just heard. When we did that, I was sitting right there and, and she said basically that we need to close our eyes and ask the Holy Spirit to show us something from our past to highlight an unmade core need or, or a lie that we believed um, and I know so many of us received healing of something in that moment. When I closed my eyes and I said, Lord, what do you want to show me? God immediately took me to um, a time when I was molested as a child. And he said to me that, Jay, you've never grieved this. So I've, I've, I've rarely ever spoken about this. And I've mentioned it to people. It's not like I've had this intense shame or hiding about it I, I i'm aware that it happened and 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 I've, and I've mentioned it and people have prayed for me about it but it's like in that moment god said to me you never grieved the loss you never grieved that you were taken advantage of you never grieved the fact that you were your innocence was stolen from you in that day your purity was compromised You've never grieved that. And in that moment, my heart just broke. And it's funny because I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, this has never dominated me. This has never caused me to, well, I say it's never dominated. It consciously, I was never aware of this, this whole time. I never felt like, oh, I'm a victim, uh, you know, this... I was never really aware of this thing. No doubt it has had effect on me, and I know that it did. But in that moment, I just broke out, and I cried. And I was like, Lord, that wasn't right. That shit never have happened to me. And he's like, yeah, that wasn't right. The devil really got a hold of you in that moment. And then he said, but I'm drawing near and I'm lifting that out of you. And it was like this. I don't know. I can explain it. <laughs> I don't have the theology to really back this one up. But it was just like, it just lifted off me. And I just felt it disappear. And, for the, and it was like, I was just like, thank you, Lord. I was just healed of that. And... And then after that, I was just like, it's okay to talk about this now. And like, it's not, it's not like I didn't hide it, but it was also not that, that I really spoke about it. But it's like all of a sudden, I'm just like, hey, I was molested as a child. And it broke something in me. And it took a long time. I probably should have dealt with that a long time ago. And I, I, I think I could have avoided a bunch of crap if I did. But here I am. 42 years old almost and I'm finally now dealing with the fact that I was molested 
I was stuck in that bargaining one. Because I was thinking, you know what, I, I can't say it because then people are going to ask, well, who did it? And I don't want to tell people who did it. Because I was trusting God for that person to get saved. So I was making deals with God. <laughs> Lord, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. Just, just get that guy in heaven. Which happened, by the way. <laughs> he's born again and he's gone to heaven. I hold absolutely zero resentment to him. I mean, um, I don't. I think that's, that forgiveness has happened a long time ago because that's probably what I dealt with. But even without properly being healed of it, I, was, I decided to forgive him and I rejoiced when he got born again. And I'm truly glad that um, you know, him and I have spoken about his salvation and, and we've never spoken about that. I don't know if he's aware of that. I don't even know if he knows he did it. But it's not necessary for me to deal with him. I just had to deal with God and with me. And I've got complete freedom and healing from that last week. And it is amazing. It's awesome. I believe God wants to do the same for, for us here today. For all of us who got hurt, had losses. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says this. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You believe the Spirit of God is here today? Let's close our eyes. Everybody, please help me with this. Let's all close our eyes. Just pray this prayer in your heart with me. God, please show me any loss that you want me to start including you in. Just ask Him to show you. It could be a small thing like maybe a, a treasured possession. It could be something that is more relational. Something like a death or a divorce. Big things. Now as you're thinking about that thing, I want to ask you, which, which part of this cycle are you in the grief cycle? Are you still in denial? Shock or fear that it, shock that it happened? Trying to avoid it? Not think about it? I believe God wants you to go there with Him. Just ask Him to draw near to you in it. God can't heal anything that you're denying. Your prayer is simply, Lord, this happened and it hurt me. Will you help me with it, please? Will you hold me right now? Because I'm realizing that this thing is hurtful and sore. And I'm afraid of what this might mean for me. Please be with me right now. Maybe you've been there and, and you're just angry that it happened. You're angry with God. You're angry with people around you. You want to just fight. Frustration, irritation. If you're in that place, I want you to know that God understands. I want you to just tell Him that. Lord, I'm just angry. How could this happen to me? 
It's not fair, Lord. It's not fair. This shouldn't have happened to me. It's unjust. I'm angry about it. I hate that this happened to me. Don't know how to deal with it. I need you, Lord. If you're trying to make sense of it and asking why and trying to find reason for why it should have been good, it should have been a reason for doing it. You're bargaining with God. Well, what if I did this? It wouldn't have happened if I did that. What if I went there? What if he didn't do this? What if she didn't do that? I want you to know that God is only good. And he did not bring this over you. This broken world is broken. And we bump up against its brokenness and it breaks us. God wants to confirm to you today that he is good. And that if you will draw close to him, he will bind you up. And in time, after you were healed, and after you started gaining victory over this, He'll bring something beautiful out of it. If you trust Him and you keep following Him. Maybe you're just hopeless, overwhelmed trying to flee you're trying to you're trying to avoid the situation by all costs you're trying to you're trying to leave situations leave people just run away just depressed wanting to be on your own don't have strength to go on just invite God into that dark place right now Jesus, I'm just in such a dark place right now. I don't even know how I got here. I can't logically make sense of everything that have gone wrong, but so many things have just stacked up and I'm just so lost right now. Please just come and sit with me in my darkness. I just need you, Lord. I want you to know that God will sit with you in your darkness as long as you need Him to sit there. He's not rushing you out. He's not trying to manipulate you by, you know, with faith scripture verses to just stand up and get on with it. He's willing to sit with you and wait with you. As long as you will have Him, He will be with you. But let His light shine into your heart that you will know that He loves you and He's working. Behind the scenes, He's working. He's working. He's preparing your way out of that dark place even though you can't see it, even though He hasn't revealed it to you yet. He's working 
He's working. I'm trusting God that some of you might be willing and able to be, to take that last step with Him today. If you're not there yet, don't worry. God will move with you at the pace that you're needing to move. But if you will allow him into that place of loss, he will bring you to a place of acceptance. Eventually where your grieving ends and you become ready to live with it without being overcome, dominated by it. You can say, I'm okay, dad. I'm okay. Let's take the next step in this journey. I know you're going to make something beautiful come out of this. You'll never forget it. There will always be things that trigger your memory back to it. But you know you've come to acceptance when you do remember it and your emotions just remain stable at where they're at in that moment. Your emotions don't flare up. Your emotions don't go whack. You're okay. You're able to move forward. At the same time, there might be lies that as we're speaking, you're, you're thinking, oh, this can never be true. Oh, this isn't even real for me. I just pray right now that God will show you thoughts that will prevent you from dealing with this loss so that you can move to whatever needs to come. And what comes next is things like forgiveness, even restoration. What comes next are you hearing and discerning the will of God for your life again. Becoming happy about your identity and content where you're at. But then there are also some common lies. Things like, I can never trust people again. I'll have to leave to get over this. I will never succeed again. Probably going to end up on the street. I can't do this alone. Don't let the devil plant such lies in your heart, in your moments of grief. Draw close to God and to His Word. Let His presence minister to you and fill you with this truth and love. Here's two promises that you can bring home today. Psalm 147 verse 3, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Isaiah 41.10, Fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Some of you, it might happen today. Because the only thing you needed to hear is that God knows and cares. He still loves and celebrates you. But for some of you, it might take God longer to walk you through this process. It's okay. It's okay. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Pull a trusted friend into it with you. The importance of today is to realize that you have to keep moving through the cycle. Deal with the loss. 
don't get stuck in it. Don't stop at depression or anger or bargaining. Let God take you to acceptance and healing so that you can take back dominion of your life and walk in the freedom that He has desired you to walk in. Victoriously, free, full of shalom, full of the peace of God, the restoration of God in your life. Walk confident, content. Walk compassionately. Walk graciously. Walk humbly. Get victory. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we welcome you. We welcome you into these parts of our lives. We welcome you, Lord. Yes. realize that um, never fully processed the fact that we're probably not going to live in South Africa for a long season anymore guys don't get it wrong thought just popped into my head as I was praying <sighs> Heavenly Father we just welcome you into it Lord. just bring us through it Thank you for this moment. Thank you for your truth, Lord. Thank you for this church, this amazing, loving church, Lord God. going to guide us into it progressively. We don't have to fake freedom, Lord. We know that. It's either real or it's not. Lord, we're looking for that real freedom. for that true victory, God, to fully attain, to fully live up to what we have already attained in you. 
Thank you that you're such a real God that help us through real life. It's not fake religion where we just have to fake it till we make it. You truly transform us inside out. You lift us up to that rock that is higher than us. We love you for it, God. We thank you for today.